If you've been watching the real estate market, you know that it's moving at a record pace. Hi, Flames fans. This is Jason Porter with Legacy Realty and Development. As a longtime supporter of Liberty Athletics, I love serving Flames Nation and am thrilled to join Sea of Red this year. My team and I are ready to help you navigate this fast-paced market or even help you find those elusive off-market deals. So whether you're looking for a home, a commercial property, or real estate investment opportunity, call or text me today, Jason Porter, at 434-258-8827. That's 434-258-8827. Being able to uh, have them, that was really cool. You know, they want to come support us in person more or less than watching us on TV. So I I, I just appreciate them for coming out here and, uh, uh, letting us go out there and glorify God, you know? I've done this long enough. Every year's different. There's no team that has the same DNA, same leadership, same hunger, desire, passion. It was great 2020. I got the ring. I got the picture. I got it all. I got it. I will have it framed. Top 20 in the nation. That's awesome. But you know what? It's time to run to the roar of 2021. It's here. It's a different week, Malik. It's a different week, Malik. For we can, For we can. do all things through Christ Jesus. He strengthens us each and every day. Each and every day. And may God. And may God. Play with the play. Well, welcome to the A Sea of Red podcast. My Chad Hassan. I am joined, as always, by first my good friend. He is also the owner, creator, all things A Sea of Red, Liberty alumni, alumni, John Manson. And uh, so we've got a lot to talk about with the old Miss. One of the most anticipated games I've had as a fan, I think it's right up there with Virginia Tech because I grew up around in Hokie country and uh, a few others that were highly anticipated. But this one feels a little bit different because, you know, of course, Hugh Freeze going back, but we're going to SEC country. I get to attend the game and I've always wanted to go to the Grove. It's on the bucket list. And then also we have a chance to beat a top 20 team in the country who uh, has a Heisman candidate quarterback, which is pretty much insane when you think about it. We say that all the time on this podcast, but guys, it's it's the honest truth. I mean, we, we, we do this every single episode. We say, look back where we were five years ago and where we are now. We are a nine-pounder-dog a nine on the road in Ole Miss, and they're ranked in the top 20 and have a Heisman candidate quarterback and one of the best offensive coaches in the country. So we're pumped about that. John Manson, how you doing tonight, John? And uh, are you making the trip down to Ole Miss? What's up, Chad? Doing good. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm heading down there. Me and the family are heading down to take the game in. Looking forward to it as well. And that's an interesting uh, kind of question you pose there is, is this the most anticipated uh, Liberty football game in, in history? And it's certainly in, in the top five, I would imagine, if it's not top two or three, I I would put the Virginia Tech game up there. That one's probably, I don't know, it's hard to say. I I mean, it might be slightly ahead of it because of the in-state bragging rights and Liberty was undefeated on the cusp of the top 25. But at the same time, you got the Hugh Freeze story this year, Uh, you know, this week, going back to Ole Miss and as well as several assistants and uh, also, you know, Bryce Matthews, the right tackle who's transferred from Ole Miss. A lot of connections there, and then obviously the the Matt Corral and Malik Willis uh, storyline. You know, quarterback battle for the top 
you know, quarterback spot in, in a lot of people's uh, draft boards for the next NFL draft. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say which one's most anticipated or if there's another game previously that, that's more anticipated. You know, you think back to, like, the JMU-FCS playoff game, that was up there. But I think this would probably surpass that. But uh, interesting, interesting to talk about and think about, though. So something we have not talked about in a while, John, I wanted to get your thoughts on is the Heisman race. So uh, Malik, uh, Malik was doing and then then through three picks in one game. And uh, and we also lost to some teams that we were 30 point favorite to. And uh, I believe Syracuse was more closer to six and a half point favorites. We lost that one. Um, <clears throat> Heisman candidate versus top overall quarterback in the NFL draft. It's two separate things. So answer both of those. Where does Malik stand? Has he risen? Has he fallen? Uh, does, uh, does he ground to make up? And then, so that's the second part of the question. Third part of the question for you, John, if you can remember all this is, what does this weekend do in terms of impacting that particular, both of those particular standings for Malik? Uh, what is a good showing on the SEC network down in the Grove against a top defense? Well, they're not very good at defense, but they're the are they're an SEC defense, so he'll be graded against that. I'm sure. Yeah, it's a it's a big test, big opportunity for him. Uh, as far as the Heisman goes, those um, chances, those uh, hopes are are done. I mean, it pretty much died with Liberty's loss to Louisiana Monroe. It's probably done with the loss to Syracuse, to be honest. But uh, he still had a chance, and then obviously throwing three interceptions in back-to-back games and losing to to Louisiana Monroe as a you know thirty-plus point on favorite uh, definitely kills it. Um, so so he doesn't have a chance in the Heisman talk. He, he doesn't really even have a chance to be a finalist anymore, which is unfortunate. Uh, he's obviously got the talent. As far as his draft hopes, um, yeah, I mean he's right there. Todd McShay still has him as the number one quarterback on the on the draft board. Uh, for 2022 NFL draft, um, you know, like a, just like the Heisman race, those uh, interceptions hurt hurt his ability or his draft stock a little bit. I know Mel Kiper had him at number one prior to him throwing an interception, and now he's got him down maybe around five or six, I think, on his quarterback list. So, um, you know, he's still right there. But yeah, I mean, this, you know, yeah, Ole Miss is not known for their defense. They're obviously under. Lane Kiffin with Matt Corral quarterback. They're known for their offense, but they're still an SEC defense, and they go up against SEC athletes. They have SEC athletes uh, on their roster, and this will be the the best defense that Malik faces this year and probably the best defense he's faced in his career at Liberty. Uh, So, you know, there's going to be over 20 NFL teams in attendance for the game uh, on Saturday or is expected to be in attendance for the game Saturday. So, uh, you, you know, if he comes out and has one of his typical games that, that he's had, you know, I mean, Malik showed has showed up in just about every game Liberty's had, except for uh, the NC State game was his one, you know, kind of subpar game he, he's really had against a power five opponent so far. If he comes out and puts up the numbers, you know, Liberty fans have come to expect of him. I mean, it's only going to help skyrocket his uh, his draft stock, which I, I don't know if you can even say that because he's already kind of at the top of the list. Can you go much higher? Not really, but uh, I think it will solidify his his case to be uh, the number one overall uh, quarterback taken in next year's draft. If he has a subpar outing, it, it will hurt him, uh, but I, I still think he's he's on that 
you know, first round line, just with the talent he has, regardless of how he performs Saturday. So let's talk about the Grove, that game, that atmosphere. What are you, I mean, you've watched a lot of Ole Miss this year. I've watched a lot of Ole Miss this year. What stands out to you? Where can we get them? Where are they weak at? What does Liberty do well that maybe Ole Miss has shown they cannot either defend or do offensively? Is there a special teams unit issue? Where do you think that Liberty can make a move and kind of make Ole Miss pay? And what pretty much has to happen for Liberty to win and capitalize on those types of those that area specifically? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that I keep coming back to this week is Liberty's offensive line. And we've kind of harped on that here in the last couple of weeks. But the, the offensive line has to be able to protect Malik. Um, you know, they don't have to have a clean pocket every time. They don't have to keep him from, ha- from being sacked, you know, all uh, afternoon. But he has to be able to have enough time to sit in the pocket and read the defense and to make plays with his arm. We know he can do it with his legs, but but he has to be able to do that also with his arm throughout the game Saturday. Or uh, if Ole Miss is just able to tee off on him and chase him out of the pocket and corral him, uh, you know, no pun intended there with Matt Corral. But uh, then it's going to be it'll be a long day for the Flames. So that that's the most important thing because you know Ole Miss with his offense they're going to put points up. So number one, I think, is to be able to to protect Malik to some extent. Uh, which, you know, the offensive line hasn't really shown an ability to do much. Uh, Secondly, I think it's going to be crucial for the defense in the red zone, which they've been effective this year. Uh, Look at the North Texas game uh, to get some stops, force, uh, you know, Ole Miss into field goals, force them. uh, You know, they like Lane Kiffin loves to go for on fourth down, force them into some fourth down decisions that he has to make and, and come up with some stops. You know, that that's the most important thing. I also think that, We're going to see a game plan on offense for Liberty and Coach Freeze that we saw similar in the Virginia Tech game last year where he knows that this roster from Ole Miss from top to bottom is is deeper, more talented than the Liberty roster. So he's going to slow the game down. You know, expect that play clock to get down underneath of 10 and 5 most times, especially in the first half, to try to shorten the game, keep fewer possessions. And, you know, so that means there's fewer possessions, but that also means with those fewer possessions that Liberty has to take advantage of those. They can't have turnovers. They have to win the turnover battle uh, probably by multiple uh, turnovers to, to have a legitimate chance to win. They have to do that. They cannot have blunders in the offensive red zone. They have to punch it in. When they have a first and goal inside the five, that has to be a touchdown. You can't you know, mess up like they've done on, on occasion, like they did against Syracuse and pretty much cost them the game there. You, you can't do that against a team like Ole Miss, a top 20, top 15 team. You can't do that. So, you know, those are kind of my main uh, goals. Number one, protect Malik to some extent. I mean, Ole Miss is going to get after him some, but protect him to some extent. Defense needs to to get some stops on occasions. You know, they, Ole Miss just can't put up 50 points and expect Liberty to be able to win but they can keep them down into the 20s or 30s, get stops in the red zone, uh, you know, get some turnover turnovers on downs, turnovers in general, uh, win the turnover battle, and then also the offense take care of their opportunities. Uh, you know, do all of those things, and, and you'll the game will be decided in the fourth quarter if all those things happen. And, 
you know, Liberty will certainly have their chance to win. And that's one thing we've seen with Malik Willis at quarterback. You know, he's 16 and three as Liberty starting quarterback. And Liberty has is three plays away basically from being undefeated in those games. Uh, you know, you look at the NC State game, Liberty was right there setting up for an Alex Barbier field goal that would have won the game. Uh, you look at Syracuse, you know, Liberty's able to to punch uh, one of those late possessions into the end zone and score a touchdown, that fourth and goal play, that's a Liberty win. Uh, you know, I'm sure you can find a, a player you so in uh, the old the ULM game as well to uh, that could have flipped it the other way. So with Malik Willis, with Hugh Freeze, we've said it before on the podcast, you know, pretty much basically the best coach and the best quarterback in any team Liberty will face this year. Ole Miss may be the only exception to that, but they give Liberty a chance, and they've kept the Flames within every game that that Malik's been the quarterback in in his career, and and I think he'll give Liberty a chance on Saturday. Yeah, uh, real quick, I think my key to the game is pretty simple. Put Ole Miss in third and long and fourth and short. I mean, it's a lot easier said than done, but to me it's it's defense. I mean – I think that Malik and com- company are going to put up and freeze are going to put up some numbers. It is. Can we stop their offense? And uh, <clears throat> one thing's interesting, John, is I predicted 15 to 19, maybe even up in the 20s for the point spread. It's only nine or nine and a half. And if you're reading the tea leaves, something's not right with Corral and his ankle. His ankle. Uh, so there were folks that were at practice that said he had his helmet on and was taking reps with the first team uh, earlier this week. I believe that was Monday. And then you also had Kiffin coming out telling the media that he did not practice on Monday. So it's kind of one of those things. Are we being, are we being, uh, you know, is there something in the works there where Corral maybe doesn't play or only plays the first half or they kind of go, tandem is a game time decision i definitely think something's up with his ankle and i mean they look okay without him but man he is so much of part of their part of their offense to scramble and and his ability to make big time throws and just his swagger and the the pace with which he plays um i think that he would be a big loss and so maybe keep your eye out for corral to maybe not play in this game i know that he he injured his ankle but they also said it was swollen up like a, a big baked potato and, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of set him out for this because, you know, in the end, for them, it's about the SEC championship game and getting there. And if they still have an opportunity to do that, would they rest him up for in a week like Liberty? <clears throat> the second point I want to make there, John, real quick, is I love I love Lane Kiffin's quote about playing Liberty. He said, man, you know, in a game like this where we're kind of beat up, we don't have any wide receivers. He didn't really allude to Corral, but. He said uh, they're all of their starting wide receivers are out or, or not, whatever. I forget the exact word, term he used, but basically said they weren't on the roster right now or the active practice roster. So he said he wished they had were playing some no-name and they don't like the fact that they got Malik Willis and Hugh Freeze and a good team coming to town on their kind of bye week, built-in SEC bye week when, when other SEC teams are playing, you know, FCS caliber teams. So... Um, he did allude to that, so interesting to keep an eye out on. All right, John, we've covered Ole Miss. We've both kind of given our keys to the game. We both think that, you know, um, 
if we can slow them down a little bit, we win. If we protect Malik, we get we have a chance. But we both know that with Malik and Freeze uh, on on wearing Liberty's um, you know logo and uniform, we have a puncher's chance. Malik has never been blown out. Freeze has rarely been blown out in games um, in his whole career. So um, we have a chance, and that is so awesome to do top 20 SEC team on the road. Last thing I want to get to real quick, John, what are your thoughts? I know we've talked a lot about this, and you've kind of gone you know, back and forth as, as we do sometimes with these types of things. Where do you currently stand on um, membership in the Conference USA and with – even with Middle Tennessee and Western Kentucky, even if they were to go to the MAC, um, what are your thoughts? Are you are you not really excited? But do you think it's the right move, and maybe why? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I wrote an article on CRED.com about it this week, um, Tuesday morning. Go back and check that out if you haven't. I kind of laid it out there, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, quick synopsis of a thirteen hundred word article that I wrote was, uh, you know, basically I think that, yeah, would we prefer to be in the Sun Belt? Sure, of course so. With ODU, Marshall, JMU, App State, Coastal, yeah, we'd love to be in the Sun Belt. Uh, would we prefer to be in a Conference USA with any of those schools plus uh, Middle Tennessee and Western Kentucky? Yes, we, we would prefer that. Uh, would we prefer to be in the AAC? Yes, of course, no doubt. Um, but those options have not been afforded to us. And, and basically our options right now are to join a, a conference USA, which we don't know that we've officially been offered to kind of all signs are pointing towards that happening. Uh, if it hasn't happened, you know, verbally, uh, but, you know, having an offer in the conference USA as it stands with, you know, Louisiana tech, UTEP, uh, FIU, probably New Mexico state, uh, maybe a couple FCS call-ups in Sam Houston State and uh, Jacksonville State, uh, or to remain uh, independent and in a sun. And, and if you compare those two, which those are our two options right now, I mean, if you're Ian McCall and Liberty, uh, Liberty's administration, this, this is what you have to decide. Which one's better for us today? Which one's better for us in the next three years? Which one's is better for us in the next, you know, 10 years. Uh, and nobody thinks that Liberty joining a conference today, or you shouldn't think that Liberty joining a conference today, pigeonholes Liberty into that conference with those same teams five years from now or, or even 10 years from now. Look how much this stuff has changed and continues to change. So, uh, you know, when you're comparing the two, I mean, you look at it from a men, you know, we're looking at it mainly from a football and a men's basketball standpoint because those are the two uh, biggest or maybe the only two money makers that that Liberty could have or, or you know mid majors have at this this level, uh, and, and if you look at it from a men's basketball perspective, which I laid this out in that article, is it's pretty much a no brainer that it's better in the Conference USA with what those teams we're talking about. I mean, Bellarmine, who finished second in the A Sun last year, would have finished seventh. Uh, in the in this new conference USA, if all those teams were in there last year, they would have been seventh. You know, so that just shows you the depth of this 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 new uh, conference USA league would have in men's basketball. You know, Liberty would have been right there with Louisiana Tech. You know, second just behind them in the net rankings. Uh, new Mexico State, uh, Louisiana Tech, those teams. Um, you know, are all are all solid teams. Jacksonville State's another one, all solid basketball teams. So. And, you know, 
travel, like it's not really an issue in my perspective. Like, yes, would you like to have a mid-Atlantic regional uh, G5 conference like we've talked about several times? Of course. But that's not the options we have. We're either in the A-Sun or we're in this Conference USA. And in the A-Sun, the way things are currently uh, set up, pretty much every school we go to in every sport, it's a plane ride. You're going to get in a plane and go to it. None of them are bus trips. So if you're getting in a plane, does it matter if you're going to Fort Myers, Florida or Las Cruces, New Mexico? I mean, it's not really it doesn't really matter that much. You know, it doesn't matter if you're going to, you know, Florence, Alabama or, you know, wherever Ruston, Louisiana, I think is where Louisiana Tech is. It doesn't matter. You're just taking a different flight path. Right. So the travel is really kind of, you know, doesn't matter. Uh, But the basketball league would definitely be better from a football perspective. There's pros and cons both ways. Um, the way I look at it, it's a pro to be playing for conference championships. I don't care if you're in the Big South or the CAA or the SEC or the Conference USA. It's a pro to be able to recruit to and play for conference championships. Coach Freeze talks about it all the time. He, you know, he wants to play for conference championships. It gives you another attainable goal each and every year to achieve for, to strive for. Uh, so that's a that's a goal. Um, Liberty, yes, they, they do have bold tie-ins right now as, as an independent, but those tie-ins become more concrete when you're in a set conference. Uh, so I think it's an, an improvement there. Another pro, another bonus for, for joining the Conference USA instead of staying independent in football is the path to the CFP. I mean, the CFP is likely to be uh, to grow to 12 teams um, and part of that proposal is that the top six finishers in the CFP rankings, conference champion finishers, would get an automatic bid to the playoffs. So that's your more than likely most years it's going to be your five power five conferences are going to get one of those. And you got one G5 conference champion that doesn't include an independent that includes a G5 conference champion. So this in the CUSA where Liberty would be the favorite if those teams were, were in a conference together right now. Uh, Liberty would be the favorite and they would have a direct path to the playoffs. Would it be easy? No, Um, but it's a slight, you know, if it's a 5% chance of making the playoffs on a given year, if you go undefeated, it's probably better than if you went undefeated as an independent, you might would have a 1% chance. I mean, that's just the way it is as a G5 member. Um, From a scheduling, I know I'm kind of rambling a little bit here, but there's a lot to talk about from a scheduling perspective. You're looking at a eight to nine team conference. That means you're going to have seven to eight non seven to eight conference games each year, which leaves you four to five non conference games that you can schedule each season. Liberty's already got full schedules out through 2026, almost 2027. So they they would certainly you know keep you know you and I talked about this a little bit you know probably two power five games, you no know, eight ACC teams. I got several of them on the schedules in the future. They will remain, you know, then you can go grab you an, an app state, a Marshall, an ODU, a coastal, you know, those type teams uh, in a home and home series each year, uh, you know, play one or two of the, those a year, maybe one other, you know, power five or an FCS game, depending on how, how all the schedules shake out for those four to five uh, non-conference games. So it still gives you plenty of flexibility in your, your non-conference scheduling. Um, you know, there are negatives though. I mean, you know, you don't get to schedule 12 games a year, you know, you, you can't be as flexible as it comes with, with some of these contracts you have, but as we continue to look forward 
Uh, I think independent scheduling is going to become more difficult because you're going to have fewer, especially like if New Mexico State, UMass, and UConn all join this Conference USA, which is likely they could, then uh, all your independents are basically gone. I mean, you're going to have to be playing, you know, fighting for games. You don't have those three, four to five uh, games locked in against an independent team. So um, all that to say, I think it's best. The best decision for Liberty today is to join the Conference USA. I I, I didn't when we went on that uh, live uh, rant on social media between you and I. I kind of said no. I didn't want to join. Uh, you know, if Marshall left, and especially if Western Kentucky, Middle Tennessee left. But after having time to to take a step back from it and to look at it objectively. I do think that's the best decision for Liberty. I know the biggest naysayers say that, you know, you're pigeonholing yourself and and limiting your potential. I don't agree with that. I mean, I think you can go from Conference USA and five years from now, maybe the Sun Belt has an opening and and they up or the AAC or somebody like that, or, you know, power in conferences, you know, it shifts, it changes. You know, when this last round of realignment went around five to seven years ago, it was Conference USA that was raiding the Sun Belt because Conference USA was the better conference than the Sun Belt. Well, things have reversed and now it's going the opposite way. Well, who's to say that if a Conference USA doesn't, you know, get things, get their act together, so to speak. And, and you know, I've heard negative comments about their commissioner and, and things like that. Maybe they need a new commissioner. I, I don't know all the details and ins and outs of that, but you know, who's to say that five years from now, the Conference USA isn't the stronger conference? I mean, we don't know what the AAC is going to look like with some of their new additions. We don't know, you know, the Sun Belt looks strong right now, but, you know, an app state or a coastal, they could lose their coaches and, and go backwards, you know? So we really don't know. But, uh, yeah, with our two options presented to ourselves right now, yes, I do I do think Conference USA is is the best option for Liberty, you know, today and for the foreseeable future. Wow, John. It's like you uh, just read my mind, read my notes, read a text thread that you and I had. I don't know. (laughs) You just went down all of my exact points. I love it, man. That's exactly what I'm thinking, too. One one additional thing is I believe that um, you put Ian McCall in a position of influence in a conference like that. And by position of influence, you know, the the athletic director, the top, you know, revenue generating television rights. Uh, acquiring all of that you put in you know liberty would be the darling so to speak or the breadwinner or however you want to say it of this conference usa for the most part like for football definitely for basketball and then all the other sports baseball and softball i mean liberty's going to come in kind of like they did in the a sun and and kind of run the table and basketball is going to be a little bit of a challenge but we'll we'll talk more about that can that be a a a two-bid league or not but um, what I'm getting at, John, is Ian's going to have some influence in this Conference USA with with the direction they take, the TV rights, they, the bowl tie-ins. Um, he's going to have some type of influence. And, you know, my, I'm betting on Ian McCall every, every single day. I'm going all in with the, he'll pull the right strings and get this conference up and going and in a place of prominence very quickly, whether that's how they – how they acquire money and TV contracts, he'll, he'll get it done. You know, are they going to pull something where they go on a Wednesday night, you know, Maction type thing where they have Wednesday nights locked up and every all the eyeballs are on it and everybody's making good money and able to spend on facilities and all of that. I mean, Ian's going to pull the right strings and uh, he'll, he'll get it done. Um, I also want to add, 
it's not permanent. You you alluded to that, but um, I think if we go Conference USA, you know, voting members in the Sun Belt, are, I think I believe the last time I remember, you can correct me if I'm wrong, you had to have seventy percent vote. There were ten voting members, and you had to have seven of them vote yes. I believe is what it was, and we had four of them vote no. Um, that was back when they were ten. So if the seventy percent holds true and we just added JMU, ODU, and Marshall, all three who I am very confident would give a yes vote to Liberty, somebody in their own region, give them a traveling partner, somebody who could you know, boost their attendance to home games, all of those stuff we mentioned before. Um, I think that we would get the yes vote in the Sun Belt if we wanted it within three to five years. I think that somebody will move on in the Sun Belt or Liberty will just be too good uh, growing too fast, have too many resources to offer. Uh, and if they expand, Liberty's got to be right there with the votes now with ODU, JMU, and Marshall, all three adding yes votes to the to the ballot count. So um, that's kind of, it's not permanent. And Ian will make the Conference USA a better conference overnight. I mean, immediately in those first couple of discussions, he's going to say, guys, have we thought about this for this TV deal? Uh, this is what Liberty's currently doing with ESPN. Uh, we could at least match that and probably better. And that's better than what you have with CBS right now type thing and streaming services and all that. Ian's on top of it. So I, I think he'll pull the right strings and I, th and I think it'll be temporary. That's the two points I wanted to get all the rest of it. I think you kind of hit and covered and uh, it will be exciting, man. As a fan, I miss those conference standings. I miss, you know, like the UMass game last week, for example, if that was for Liberty to remain undefeated in the conference, it would have added a marginally, you know, you know, a little bit to that, that meaningfulness of that game. Um, so as we get into it, you know, I think that we can do that. Uh, we can't compare it to this year's schedule and next year's schedule, but look at 2023. We had all the flexibility in the world for scheduling 2023 and look at that schedule. It's not that much better than what we would have with, seven conference USA games and five out of conference games that we get to choose. Basically uh, it's not much better than that for 2024, 2025, 2026 and on. I mean, we can't think that this year and next year is how our schedule would be as an independent going forward. I think that's kind of the hang up for some people as they're like, well, look at our schedule this year. We're playing like three potential top 25s. And next year we got BYU and tech at home. We wouldn't forget that we would still have five out of conference games with tons of flexibility. And uh, it's not like that those schedules are, were a yearly, yearly action. Those, these two years are kind of an anomaly. Look at 2023 as an example um, of that. So anyway, I think the, I'm with you. Conference USA is the best way to go. All right, John, we could probably ramble on this the rest of the night, but uh, we, we will, uh, we'll call it a night on the podcast here. We got uh, interviews coming up with, wide receiver coach Maurice Harris. We've got the um, hoops update with Kyle Road. We've got the Liberty line. And uh, John, I will. next time I see you, man, we'll be down in Oxford and uh, we will be wearing our Liberty red and blue and uh, hopefully we pull out a big win. It'll be a nice nine-hour ride home. Yes, sir. See you in Oxford. All right. We are joined by wide receivers coach Coach Maurice Harris, coach, uh, big game this week. Uh, how you guys okay. been doing? Pretty good. You know, guys have been working hard, um, locked into the game plan. I'm excited about the opportunity we have to go 
know, for me and Coach Freeze and a couple of those guys, go back to Oxford and compete against those guys. You know, they're they're a really good team. You know, um, they have improved a lot defensively. We all know what they can do offensively. So looking forward to the challenge. So for a few of us, uh, we'll go ahead and get this out of the way. For a few of us headed down to Oxford, I know I've heard a lot of folks headed down. Um, two things. What can we expect on game day in the Grove? Mm-hmm. I know it's a morning kickoff, but do they get out there early and start start the pregame festivities early? And then uh, also a couple of good spots that maybe we should eat Friday night. Yeah, so as far as the Grove goes, they would get that rocking on Friday night for sure. You know, they always do a good job of uh, setting up their tents and getting everything in order for Saturday morning, starting up Friday night. So uh, if you got a good spot, you know, and people are so friendly around that issue, they'll help you out. Even if you don't have a spot, they'll fight you in the majority of the time. Um, my, my to go, you know, spots down there in, in Oxford, number one, Oxford Grill House was pretty good. Boo-Ray, I really enjoyed Boo-Ray, you know, and um, – and the chicken coop, they had some really good wings, man. So those nice. were the spots I, I frequent the most. So, um, yeah, I mean, Coach Freeze kind of alluded to it in his press conference and a few other media um, appearances he's done this week. But, you know, it is an exciting time for you guys to go back. You had a lot of good memories there. Um, can you kind of talk about that for yourself, like the personal experience of going back to a place where you guys had won so many games and, uh, you know, you got old friends there. I know you. You were you're from Memphis, so you don't have the family connection that Freeze does. But I'm sure you still have people in that area that you uh, you'll love to visit with on uh, this weekend. Yeah, so you know, being from Memphis, you got a lot of family that's come to the game, obviously. But you know, there are you know, I would say ten to fifteen guys that I've recruited that are still playing um, there uh, for Ole Miss. So it'll be awesome to see those guys. Uh, as well as one of my you know, best friends in this profession, Derek Nix. He works for them. You know, and all the support staff, they're still there. So it would be awesome to see those guys. And, and also to get back into that stadium. I haven't been back into the stadium since, what, the 2018 season. And we, you're right, man, we had a phenomenal time. They won some incredible football games. Uh, I'm pretty sure it bring back a lot of memories once I walk into that stadium. So I'm um, looking forward to getting back and seeing everybody. So i got a couple of questions about the wide receivers specifically. Um, and these are going to be multiple choice. And I'm, I'm sorry for, for my lack of knowledge with the wide receiver. But the two questions I have, what specific attribute makes a good route runner? Is it the ability to stop and start? Is it the uh, or is it footwork? Is it uh, knowledge of the defense? If you had to just pick one thing and say, if you're evaluating a guy and saying, all right, he is a good route runner. He has this attribute what would it be or none of the above i probably didn't even list the yeah, most important no no can he get in and out of breaks i think that's very important you know a lot of people put a premium on speed and that is important but we've all seen guys that can run really fast but can't separate because of the lack of being able to get in and out of breaks stop and start things of that nature sink their hips create separation so that's what we look for uh guys that can great separation can um you know get in and out of breaks you know from um uh, with with um with little uh, or no uh, stopping, you know. So uh, that's okay. what we're looking for. So the same type of question, but for a jump ball, what makes a great jump ball wide receiver? Is it strong hands? Is it the ability to jump high? Is it be able to absorb body contact? High point the ball? 
what is the most important thing when you're looking at a guy and you're running fades or just those jump ball type of things? What's the number one attribute yeah. or none of the above that I listed? Yeah, so uh, I would say, number one, the timing of the jump. I think that's important. Um, when these guys are going for fade balls or, you know, 50-50 balls, that's kind of what we call them now, the timing of the jump, and then two strong hands, being able to high point the football, um, snatch it away from the defender. Um, so those are things that we look for when we're recruiting guys. And I also think um, developing guys who can catch the football, snatch away from the defender, That's um, those are attributes that we can work on uh, when they get here. But, you know, guys that you, you if a guy can jump, he can jump. You know what I mean? And you rarely see a guy go from a 24-inch vertical to a 40-inch vertical. You know what I mean? You have some improvement, but not that much improvement. So, uh, but that's why I think the timing of the jump is so important. So, um, I, I, you know, we follow you on Twitter and we, we see that you have worked in your faith with your coaching kind of just you put it all out there can you just talk about that that experience at liberty to be able to do something you love to do at a high level with amazing athletes and facilities and staff and everything else but to be able to do it with an with your open about your faith and what is that experience like but also does that help you on the recruiting road with with players and parents especially to be able to say hey you can check my stuff out here this is the kind of people we are um does that help at all Yes. Uh, so to answer the first question about my faith, um, I think that's it's a part of my ministry. That's why I do what I do to impact lives for our Lord and Savior. And um, I think every day, man, we have an opportunity to ask ourselves, am I going to be a guy that's going to be a giver or am I going to be able I mean, am I going to be a guy that's just going to take um, every single day? And, and the thing about, you know, giving, um, I can measure what I give. I can't measure what I get from other people, whether it's accolades, whether it's money. You know, I'm thinking about a player, whether it's, you know, time, uh, receivers specifically, enough balls. Am I getting enough balls? I, I can't measure that. But what I can measure is the effort that I give every single day, what I'm giving every single day. I can measure that. So that's the things that 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 I try to um, talk to our boys about, not just the receivers, but our whole team. Man, what can you give to our team every single day? and not be as concerned about what I get. From um, a recruiting standpoint, does it help? I think the transparency helps. You know, one, one thing about the way that we've always recruited is, you know, we know that uh, these young men, they need men, real men, that's going to hold them accountable, that's going to love them. Don't get me wrong, and they're going to have fun with them, but they don't need more friends. They, they, need, they need men that's going to hold them accountable. So I think that's one reason why we've been able to, whether it's been at Arkansas State, at Ole Miss, uh, now here at Liberty, uh, been able to um, get a high-quality uh, human being and, and a good football player because throughout the whole recruiting process, we stayed the same. And then when they get to campus, we are the same. So, um, so does it work? I think it works because of my spirituality keeps me focused and humble to be the same person every single day to be a giver every single day, to humble myself, to impact their lives every single day. So I think that's the part that impresses uh, parents the most. So uh, this weekend, 
is a big game, but it also kicks off a, a big stretch of, of games. How are you guys mm-hmm. talking about this with the team? Um, you know, you hear some coaches that break up the season into quarters, some that go game by game, some that kind of, how are you guys approaching this? You know, you don't have to give us all of your playbook secrets, but are, are there mm-hmm. things that you basically said, okay, that's a very important stretch of games. We're going to, we're going to um, put DJ Stubbs in at quarterback for five series or something like that. You know, is it yeah. kind of like one of those things where you're like, all right, we're holding a package for this or just the mentality of the team too. When you're talking to those guys about the the, the three huge contests we have coming up. Yeah. So I think there's, always something that you kind of hold back for um, things that you practice on and say, you know what, we really need to bring this out at this game because of this right here. And it it goes back to the summer when we kind of, you know, look at all of our opponents, just a brief look at them, what they're doing defensively. If you can, you know, some, some schools have uh, new defensive coordinators and you can't do that obviously, but if you can, you say, you know what, this would really work against these guys. So you hold these things back to, to work on it. You know, but uh, I would say the primary focus would be uh, making sure that, you know, from a player standpoint, that you're doing everything you can do to be the best you can be on Saturday. You know, that's hydration. That's that's fueling your body the right way, eating properly, get enough rest, uh, practicing uh, with uh, intense focus and maximum effort. We got to have that every single day. So um, that's that's the key, man. Can you get these guys going every single day? You know, so. Um, that's what we we've been. Uh, that's the goal. That's the standard. You know, some days we reach it, and some days we don't. But that's definitely the goal. The standard. Awesome. Well, coach, we really appreciate your time, and uh, you know, we'll be there coming down in full force, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, we can uh, have a little bit of fun in Oxford. Looking forward to seeing yeah. the place and being in a. This might be a lot of Liberty fans' first SEC game on the road, so uh, you know, well, it should be loud. It is different down there, and we're looking forward to experiencing that, and uh, hopefully, you know. Hopefully our boys come out and uh, perform well. And uh, we appreciate, look, we love, uh, we love what you guys are doing and uh, love Thank the you. impact you're having. Um, you know, for Liberty fans, I'll kind of speak for everybody here that we love the results on the football field, but uh, the, the other th- stuff off the field means just as much. And uh, we right. really appreciate all you're doing for uh, our football team, but also these young men and helping them. And, uh, you know, I see it day in, day out watching kids come through the program from freshmen to seniors just to see how they mature and it's real and uh we just want to just want to highlight that and say we appreciate that too as well well thanks so much that means a lot flames nation this is kyle road with your hoops update it is the last week without liberty flames basketball and i'm super excited to be back next thursday for our home opener against regent I'm super excited to see a a full Liberty Arena um, and have fans in the stands again and uh, start of a new new season for us. So we've been working hard. Um, Practices have been great still. I really love where we're at as a team uh, on and off the floor. Um, So super excited to get started next week with official games. And also this weekend's a big one for our Flames football team. Uh, So make sure you tune in this weekend. I think they play at noon. And Ole Miss will be a big one. So uh, super excited for basketball season next week. But let's make sure we uh, cheer on our Flames football team this weekend. And I look forward to seeing you all in Liberty Arena next Thursday. This is Kyle Road with your Hoops Update. Week 10 of the Liberty Line, and it's the game that's been circled on everyone's calendar really for years. Saturday. 
Noon kickoff in Oxford, Mississippi on the SEC Network. The Flames take on the Rebels of Ole Miss. But first, we're always transparent on the Liberty Line. We unfortunately got to run down what happened last week. Great on the football field for the Flames. Got back to their winning ways. A beatdown against the Minutemen at UMass. And unfortunately, we got beat down. We took UMass plus 36 and a half. And we also took the under. Well, neither one of those things hit. So you know what we do? We get back up and we do it all over again this week and aim to go 2-0 instead of last week's 0-2. Now that's out of the way. We look to Saturday. In our preseason prediction, we said that Liberty would lose two games this season, but we did not have the Ole Miss game on the road as one of those two losses. Liberty comes into Saturday's game with a record of 7-2 overall, so we kind of need them to run the table the rest of the way here in the month of November, so that way, well, our prediction is correct. So for Ole Miss, they come in ranked 15th, coming off a loss last week in an SEC matchup against Auburn. It's their only other loss, ironically, this season. Well, they're 0-2 against teams from Alabama. They lost Alabama uh, the first week in October. For this game, all eyes will certainly be on the quarterbacks for both teams. Matt Corral leads the offense for the Rebels. There's a good chance he'll be taken in the first round of the 2022 NFL Draft. Last week's game against the Tigers, he had to leave early in the first half due to an ankle injury. He did come back, and the Rebels, they weren't really able to muster up any offense when he came back in the game. Scored three points. Corral finished the game going 21 for 37 for 289 yards, one interception, and no touchdowns. The ankle injury is something we'll certainly be following throughout the course of the rest of this week, and we'll have our eyes on it for Saturday's game. The key number for Ole Miss is that what they do offensively, and Corral's done a really good job of this, they don't turn the ball very o- over very often. Only six times so far through their eight games is their overall record is 6-2. and two. Liberty, same number for them through nine games has been... 10 giveaways, so they've done a pretty good job of holding on to the football as well. Let's get to the things you really care about the most. The line. It opened up on Sunday as Ole Miss a 10.5-point favorite. Most sites, it currently sits at Ole Miss being a 9.5-point favorite. I love that line. Liberty always does a great job rising to the occasion against Power 5 schools. And I think, once again, like I said in August, this is one of those where they're going to win the game outright. So it's the first at the house, the farm, and the ranch game of the season. So we're going to take Liberty minus uh, Liberty plus nine and a half. But as you know, when you have such a score of that in a prediction, uh, you've got to sprinkle on the money line. So we like Liberty on the money line right now, depending upon where you're looking at. That is going to be a situation where you're sitting at right about plus 285. So if you bet 100 bucks, Liberty wins, you get 285 bucks back. Uh, in terms of the total, 67 and a half. I'm staying away from that one. I think it's pretty well spot on. The odds makers done a good job there. If you made me make a pick, I would say take the over. I think there could be some points scored in Saturday's game. The weather, it's going to be perfect. Kickoff will be locally at 11 a.m. because uh, it's central time. High of 61 degrees. It'll be sunny, beautiful day. For those going to the game, enjoy the Grove. There's nothing better than SEC football. For this week's Liberty Line, I'm Jared Brooks. Do you need any audio editing, mixing, or sound design for your projects? Reach out to our guy, Jonathan Luna. You can find him at his website, lunasound.design. 